Hello, and welcome to In Orbit, the podcast exploring how technology from space is empowering a better world. Brought to you by the Satellite Applications Catapult. I'm your host, Maggie Adairin-Pocock, and in this series, we'll be discussing some of the incredible and unexpected ways the UK is using space to make huge differences to life on Earth, as well as taking a look forward to some of the amazing innovations we can expect for the future. In this episode, I'll be talking about the possibilities for 5G and what it will enable us to do across different sectors. I'm joined by Kieran Arnold, Director of Ubiquitous Connectivity at the Satellite Applications Catapult. Ashwini Bahiri, also from the Catapult, as Head of Communication Systems Engineering. Dr. Johanna Zanadaki, Director of Innovation and Deployment at Ertico ITS Europe. And Nikos Tamperis, an expert in the field of 5G and connected automated driving, also from Ertico. Can you imagine life without your smartphone and not having access to the world in the palm of your hand? We are now more connected than we've ever been before, relying on 4G and Wi-Fi networks to help us communicate, socialise and even navigate our journeys. But of course, we have merely scratched the surface of what can truly be achieved. Enter 5G. Not only is 5G set to improve our day-to-day connectivity, it is also a huge asset to industries such as transportation and our healthcare sector. But like all tech advances, especially those with the potential to shake things up, taking the time to get it right is crucial. For example, in a future where autonomous vehicles have the potential to become commonplace, we need to be confident that issues such as moving across country borders where they'll switch from one terrestrial network to another do not result in incidents like collisions. Thankfully, at the Satellite Applications Catapult, we're exploring bridging this gap with satellites to ensure seamless connectivity. Kieran, as Director of Ubiquitous Connectivity at the Catapult, you must be excited about the possibilities that lie ahead. What are some of the capabilities of 5G and how will it vastly improve many of the things we do today? So 5G, um, we always refer to now as the network of networks. It's a standard that was introduced just over two to three years ago. Most people always want to know is, other than it being faster, what's the difference between 4G? And it's a very large difference. For instance, up to 4G, there's always been communications that is required for people, so people-to-people communications, or you accessing the internet. Whereas 5G is really about, I call it things to things, machine to machine or people to machine and controlling things like that. And we move into a different sphere of that type of interaction. So that's both high speed, that can be low speed, and it can also be um, the time in which you send the request to the machine and the response comes back, which we refer to as latency. So it's ultra low latency, high reliability, enhanced broadband. So what most people will see out of 5G is, is the speed at which you'll access the internet. And then what we call massive machine to compute. That's the hundreds of thousands or millions of devices that 5G is able to talk to or connect to at any second of the day. The other thing it does, which is equally important, is to be able to control 
the way that connection is made. In other words, we can prioritize that in a way that you get a unique experience or a priority compared to what we did in the previous generations. And that's quite important because not everybody is the same. All connections are not the same and each connection needs to be different. And then lastly, as I referred to a network of networks, we've applied this as a global standard. So that incorporates now for the first time the satellite industry type of connections and the new connection systems that are appearing in the satellite world. So the low Earth orbit, the medium Earth orbit and the geostationary connections that we have now are all seen as what we refer to as non-terrestrial networks. And all of that now is wrapped in the control and management layers that 5G will deliver. So we're not differentiating now anymore one network, e.g. satellite, against the terrestrial network. It's all the same, and we will use those connections in the way that 5G needs to connect to people. So what kind of improvements are we looking at in terms of speed? And how could you explain those capabilities in simple terms? I mean, in the previous generations, what we've had is a connection. And there's the analogy of everybody is connected at the same time. And it's a bit like if I need to do something, e.g. let's look at swimming as a good analogy, is if I take my family, my daughter would probably just want to splash around and play in the water. I might want to be able to do something a bit more structured in the way I'm swimming. And my wife maybe wants to train for the Olympics. To do that in, in the previous generations was exceptionally difficult. And actually, you just have to let it happen. In 5G, I can give everybody that experience or that quality of service they need if you're an Olympic swimmer, if you're someone who's just trying to get fit and wants to work up to that, and you're my daughter splashing around at you know, the shallow end. All of those things can occur at the same time without the fear of interaction between one and the other. And that's what 5G delivers. If you relate that to a, a real-life connection, you know, something that is as important as an emergency services connection and data against someone who's just looking at cats on YouTube, if you see what I mean. You know, the priority should be to making sure that we've always got a really good connection for our emergency services against what you're doing as a casual thing on the internet. And that's what we can do in 5G. We can identify that down to device as well as the individual that's making that connection as well. So 5G won't just be about increasing speeds, but a much more tailored experience on an individual level. But what about the bigger picture? What developments can we expect when it comes to business and infrastructure? Ashwini, as Head of Communication Systems Engineering at the Catapult, you and your team are looking at how 5G will be beneficial to some of our most vital services. How will hard-to-reach areas have improved connectivity and how will the tech work alongside satellites? 5G is designed to cater for a large number of users and devices. And one other very interesting aspect of 5G is it's able to adapt in real time to those demands. So there are a number of features in 5G, such as slicing, high-speed wireless connectivity, that really help you realize that. Now, one of the things that uh, we did at the Catapult, we, we work quite closely with our emergency services right from the start. Um, in fact, 
if we look at the timeline for the deployment of what is known as the Emergency Services Network in the UK, that started back in 2013. And at that time, the vision of the police, for instance, was to enable the use of their vehicles as office of the future, meaning that officers were able to use all their applications and, and communication capabilities from those vehicles when they were out and about. And that would empower them to deliver a number of critical services that they had to. Now, one of the problems we identified when we started working with them is that relying only on commercially available terrestrial network will not be able to allow the emergency services to have the reach that they need in order to provide all the services. So this provided natural fit for satellite communication. That's not to say that satellite communication is better. Uh, all we mean is that by combining the use of terrestrial and satellite, we are able to provide connectivity across the UK in different areas to a greater extent. So what we did since then, we embarked on a number of projects with the emergency services and the home office and various other stakeholders to work on the systems that would be required to be put in place in order to support such a reliable connectivity fabric. And I'm quite glad to say we were quite successful after a few years to secure funding and work with universities in the UK as well as the end users to develop some of the key enabling technologies which we hope in the next few years will become more commonplace and adopted by these communities. 5G will see us taking a leap into the future that we may only have thought possible in movies. But these things don't happen overnight at the flip of a switch. When we're at the stage where the network is accessible and used by all, it will be the result of years of planning and the building of the infrastructure to support it. But what does that look like? Kieran, tell us about some of the key projects you've been working on. Yes, um, MK5G Milton Keynes is a project where we are providing city-based coverage. So we've got an area of about eight square kilometres of coverage. That are, we've done that using the latest 5G cellular technology. And what we've designed is a network that will provide, much the same way as an operator does, a fabric of coverage, high-speed coverage across all of the city-based Milton Keynes and, and outreach into some of the suburban areas as well. That gives us the ability to deliver everything from low-speed connections for machine-to-machine, -machine, controlling traffic lights, things like that, up to high-speed, high-bandwidth interactive services that we'll use on our connected ambulance type projects where you know, the clinician is interacting with the paramedics, they're doing ultrasound and scan, monitoring patient vital signs and passing that quickly to the A&E departments or the clinicians at the other end. So that was the ethos of what we were trying to do is how do we make a city that's got high speed, low speed and millions of connections capability enhance the way that city operates. And then, obviously, when we started this project two years ago, education wasn't high on the list. But as we'll have seen, you know, getting high-speed connectivity to you know, parents at home or homeschooling is probably another area we'll explore that could be provided by 
the MK5G project and, and through Milton Keynes County Council. So that will solve some of the issues, the social issues that they're seeing in the city today. So that's the whole thing. We've given them a platform where effectively, regardless of what they want to do, 5G is able to help them deliver those services in a digital way and in an efficient way as well. And those things can evolve over the future so they can run interactive services, virtual reality services, robotic services, so robotic attendance and, in, you know, uh, reception management that is purely virtualized or, or distant from that. And that helps them with like COVID interaction and things like that. So in Dorset, uh, rural Dorset, is really all about getting that connectivity into an area that's exceptionally challenging and normally suffers from poor connectivity. That is where we're using the real mix of satellite and cellular communications and some of the, the, you know, the challenging elements of 5G that's able to get that connection on the ground. And we're focusing in on a couple of areas. We're focusing on mass, huge connectivity requirements, Dorset. In the normal world, you've got things like Camp Bastion going on at Lulworth Estate and things like that, where we see thousands of people turning up, all interacting, all wanting to use Facebook. And that's normally challenging, if not impossible, for cellular connections currently. So we are enhancing the 5G environment with our cellular partner, Vodafone, to give us that you know, capability to be able to run things tens, hundreds, uh, thousands of people connected at high speed at the same time. Then we're also providing the RNLI and Maritime Coast Guard Agency with an enhanced capability to communicate one-to-one or one-to-many and actually also manage the crowds and amounts of people that turn up at these locations to be able to warn them about sea states, to be able to warn them about tide times, to be able to understand or control that crowd to try and restrict access to certain areas of the coast when they think it's dangerous to do so. And also to be able to, you know, a worst case scenario is efficiently manage those rescue services when we need to be able to communicate with the end users as well as the emergency services. As well as focusing on connectivity within the UK, the Catapult is also exploring the possibilities of using 5G and satellite networks across Europe and beyond. Ertico ITS Europe is a public-private partnership established by the European Commission. It was set up to create public and private sector cooperation on intelligent transportation systems and innovation. Although most new cars can be expected to have some automation, the 5G Mobex project is taking things to the next level. Started in 2018 and coordinated by Ertico, the project is examining real-world implications of 5G for autonomous systems. It forms part of the EU's strategy to lead digital transformation in relation to connected and automated mobility. Johanna, you're responsible for innovation and deployment at Ertico. What's the journey been like so far? So when we're talking about automation, we have different levels. We have level two, level three, uh, level four, and so on. And the higher you go, the less the driver is needed. So levels one, two, for example, include automation such as uh, cruise control. 
And in 5G MOBIX, in the project, we are focusing on level three and level four, ensuring that there is seamless communication and services in a vehicle where there's no one behind the wheel to have control. And it's very important because these services can save lives, actually. Nicolaj, you're an expert in the field of 5G and connected automated driving, and also at Ertico. Could you expand? 5G Mobix is one of the three ICT uh, European cross-border corridor projects for cooperative connected and automated mobility. And it brings together telecom and road operators, car manufacturers and equipment suppliers, road authorities and regional and national governments. And all these actors and stakeholders are working to develop and test some very challenging level four plus vehicle functionalities on an advanced cross-border 5G infrastructure. CCAM is Connected Cooperative Automated Mobility. That's what the acronym means. And sometimes we say CCAM, sometimes we say CAD, uh, Connected Automated Driving, or CAM, Connected Automated Mobility. The project is focusing in two corridors, and the, the one corridor is Spain, Portugal, and the other corridor is Greece, Turkey. The problem with the cross-border corridors is that these are not densely populated and there's low interest. There are no concrete business cases for the mobility network operators and so on. So these are the challenges, along with, of course, the, the roaming and the handover situations that you have. Um, and when you are with your mobile and you're crossing from one country to the other, always you're going to have this lack of connectivity and especially with connected automated driving or mobility. And this really hampers safety. A number of advanced uh, CCAM use cases, such as cooperative overtake, highway lane merging, track platooning, to mention but a few, are evaluated on the Greek Turkish and the Spanish Portuguese corridors, but also in trial sites in Finland, France, Germany, the Netherlands, China, and South Korea. Ashwini. You're leading the Catapult team working on this project. What can we do at these borders to allow autonomous vehicles to seamlessly cross from one country to the other? So, from previous deployments of cellular technology, it was clear that there were gaps in the connectivity at the borders, and this would pose some challenges for systems that required a resilient and a robust connectivity fabric. At that time, we, we did discuss with a few key stakeholders and it was agreed that satellite could play a key role in providing the bridge um, to fill this gap that existed. So seamless mobility is possible and that's very important for the European Union. But when you're passing from one country to the other, you very rarely meet a physical border. You don't have the borders anymore. But as I said, these borders don't have connectivity. And the union, when we're talking about the seamless passing from one country to the other in Europe, is like a puzzle. It needs all the pieces, and connectivity is a very important piece. So, for example, I would go from uh, the Netherlands, where I live, to Belgium, uh, before COVID times, uh, of course, uh, twice a week, because I commute for, for, the, for my work. And I know that when we're crossing the borders, because that's when I don't have connectivity anymore on my mobile, I'm not even discussing um, CCAM. The first and foremost priority for safety is connectivity, of course. 
So the first thing, uh, we had to find the common language to explain some of the things we were trying to do, the challenges we were trying to address. That took a good year, I would say, to have this uh, common vocabulary, common language and understanding of the capabilities of the technology, but equally of the challenges in the automotive sector that needed to be addressed. The second biggest challenge that we faced was the fit for the satellite communication technology. Now it is very easy to talk about satellite communication with uh, terrestrial operators because it is part of 6G. It is part of 5G release 17. All these things have happened only recently. But so when we started, there was limited knowledge and awareness of what satellite communication could bring to the table and how it could be used to address some of the challenges. And it, it, it again took a long time to work with predominantly the telecommunication organization for them to understand the potential. Nowadays, it is not uncommon for them to have what is known as non-terrestrial network teams within their core R&D branches, because this is the direction that the telecoms world is heading. So it, those challenges, I'm glad to say we've overcome them in this uh, project. And I think uh, we, we will be able to, to make a very good contribution to this sector. It sounds like the 5G Mobix project and the work on mastering seamless connectivity will be groundbreaking, making a huge impact on some of our essential services. Kieran, could you say that the pandemic has been a blessing in disguise in highlighting our need for some specific kinds of services and technology? I guess we've been quite fortunate. Like the rest of the world, you've been able to rely on technology to stay in contact and carry on your job. And, and, and exactly the same way with our projects, we have now realised the power of communications technology for us to be able to interact and work remotely. That balances out, you know, what the UK has. So, you know, what we've seen is cities being predominantly populated you might now see a levelling out of that and people, you know, balancing work and home life. But without that capability that 5G and beyond 5G delivers, that's still going to be a challenge. From our day-to-day -day communications to revolutionising our emergency services, the possibilities for 5G technology seem well beyond what we could have imagined. But when will this future of superconnectivity and autonomous vehicles feel more like the norm? Kieran, tell us about the rollout of the tech trials and the different ways that 5G can take many of our tech interactions to the next level. The Milton Keynes will run that for a considerable amount of time in 5G. 5G has still got possibly another 10 years of evolution before we start talking about 6G. Um, we'll start to enhance that uh, as we go along. Our focus will be in rich multimedia services, as well as what we call the machine to compute, millions of connections, uh, and, and making sure you know, that that performs well and performs to expectation that people and our users are doing. The uptake of virtual environments, AI environments where you know, people are entering a world and competing in a world that's purely digital. So yes, you're on the cycle and yes, you're connected to a smart trainer. And yes, we're able to get all those uh, 
you know, vital signs about your performance on the bike, uh, but yet you're sat in a room or in a garage somewhere with a large screen TV and you're in that immersive environment. So you could literally, and, and I do, I just sort of do it today. It's quite limited and, and you know, broadband and that is to, to cycle parts of the world that I'd love to really cycle in the real world. Now, if we take that outside in, in augmented reality, We've seen a little bit of, of technology with Google goggles coming out many years ago, but I think we'll start to see a lot more of those interactive services of where you are, what's around you, what are the risks and dangers involved in what you're doing, and sharing that information. So vulnerable road users, cyclists being one of them, uh, that information being propagated to other vehicles for other dr driver information systems, especially on things like blind spot areas and, and, and you know, dark, foggy days where you have a vulnerable road user. And you know, our normal way of spotting them today is hope that you see them. Actually, those information systems, the geolocation information of them, the proximity and the data can be sent very rapidly over 5G within the blink of an eye which is much faster than a human can, can spot someone else. And it can give you proximity awareness as well. So within the one kilometer, you've got this. Within half a kilometer, you've got this. And within a couple of hundred meters, you're now approaching this particular person. That could be a pedestrian in a country lane, taking a walk, you're driving along. All that information now, that immersive rich media information, can be at your fingertips in 5G. Nicolai. Johanna, what are your thoughts? There are two approaches uh, regarding the future evolution of uh, automated driving. The first one is something everywhere, which refers to a gradual improvement of systems, technologies, and functionalities that will constitute in the future the fully autonomous car. And this approach is uh, suited to every environment. The second, a more abrupt one, is everything somewhere, that is, we have the fully automated car, but in a limited, uh, controlled environment. 5G Mobix uh, follows the first approach, and uh, I also believe that uh, this is the right one. And it's important to note that there is a consultation taking place with the, between the industry um, and the public and the, and the decision makers in the European Commission uh, and the, the consultation with the public is very important because public acceptance in the whole discussion of CCAM is key because we can do whatever we like in technology and so on. But if you don't have the business cases and you don't have the public acceptance, you cannot do it. You're not going to do anything with CCAM uh, or either, neither in, either in uh, 2025 nor 2035 or 2050. Bashwini, what are you most looking forward to? in terms of where 5G will take us? So I think one of the key things 5G will allow us to do is to better meet the demands of the users and devices, which is exciting because so far it has been the case that um, applications, devices and users have had to adapt to what was available. And with 5G, it completely switches the other way around, which means the network has to adapt itself to provide the level of service that is required by a user, by an application, by a device. That means if you have a critical application uh, for the emergency services that needs 
a certain quality of service from the network, it can really request that. Then the network can deprioritize other kind of traffic that's taking place. One of the other elements, I think, which is really exciting, and this is where the, the name 5G will disappear and we'll see 6G more, is with the integration of satellite communication, uh, the possibilities are endless. So effectively, now we can enable a large number of applications which typically cannot work simply because terrestrial connectivity is not available. So if we think about remote health, if we think about remote education, all these use cases, not only in the UK, but uh, across the world, can be enabled through the use of satellite and 5G. I think finally, what, what I'm looking forward to most is we've been talking about 5G for a good number of years now. There have been a large number of projects that have looked at the various technologies and so on. And now is the time for us to see the realization of what 5G can bring to the application and services in the field. So what I'm really looking forward to is those enabling applications being deployed and users really making use and, uh, and having the benefits of 5G and what they are doing. Thank you to Kieran Arnold, Ashwini Bahiri, Dr. Joanna Zandeki and Nikos Tampieras for speaking to us about the incredible capabilities of 5G technology and, of course, to the Satellite Applications Catapult for making this all possible. To hear future episodes of In Orbit, be sure to subscribe on your favourite podcast app. And if you'd like to find out more between episodes about how space is empowering industries, then visit the Catapult website or join them on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook. <laughs>